Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast. This is your host, Timmy Douglas, and the goal of this podcast is to create a community that inspires action, accountability, celebrates progress, and helps people make the right connections to take that next step towards their dreams and goals. If you're looking for any one-on-one coaching to pinpoint your purpose and start taking steps in that direction, make sure to contact me on my website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, or on social media. On that note, let's get into the show. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Dan McCrory, who is an author and has his second book coming out very soon. Dan, how you doing? Great, how are you? Doing fantastic. Thanks for asking. And we like to jump right in. So if you could start with telling us a little bit about yourself and some of the things that you like to do for fun, that'd be great. Fun? Uh, let's see now. Fun is due to my dreams. So I, I guess that's a good start. Um, I, I want the, uh, I want working middle-class people to um, be what we worry about in Washington, D.C. and and in state capitals around the, um, the country rather than uh, the wishes of the wealthy and of uh, multinational corporations. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And what kind of put you onto that? What's your motivation behind that? Well, I was a... a um, a union president and uh, the company came in right after I got elected and uh, downsized uh, quite significantly. So we were, we lost a third of our membership and all of a sudden we had to do some belt tightening and, and uh, refiguring budgets and things like that. And there was really no reason for it. Um, I ended up taking a, a buyout so that uh, somebody with kids that was uh, still in mid uh, career could uh, stay and and uh, you know put their kids through college and things like that and not have to worry about getting laid off. So because I was at the end of my tenure uh, at the phone company after 37 years, so I figured it's time to go. Yeah, absolutely. So as a union president, you saw this company downsize and you were like, "This did not need to be this way." And so from that point on, you were like, "I need to stand up for middle class people." Yeah, I was that way anyway, uh, but uh, that probably made me more so. Mm. Gotcha, gotcha. And you stand up for middle-class people primarily as an author, or are there other things that you do too? Well, um, to tell you the truth, um, I I wrote this first book because uh, I had tried, um, when I became president, I was going to turn our local into this big um, political powerhouse, but uh I was also afraid of waking up the, the uh, other side of the aisle. So, and uh, then with the downsizing, I had other things to, to consume my time. So the next step I took was running for office myself. And I ran for uh, California State Assembly twice. And both times I was running against um, a congressperson's um, head of chief of staff. And of course, they took all the air out of the room and all the money, too. So I said, well, what am I going to do now? So I decided to write my memoirs. And then I thought, who, who am I? You know, why are people going to want to buy my memoir? So uh, I started researching things that the, the next generation was going to run into, things like the, the gig economy, uh, universal basic income, plus all the stuff that's left over from uh, our generation, which is um, uh, the criminal injustice system and um, the... Uh, what I call uh, the uh, vanishing middle class. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Tell us a little bit more about some of those topics and how you incorporate them into your memoir, which is coming out at the end of this week, you said? 
No, that, my memoir has been out for a couple of years. Uh, the one that's coming out um, uh, in the end of this week is uh, is my novel, and it's my what I call my COVID novel because it was written right here at the desk during lockdown, and it just poured out of me. It was a very cathartic experience because I have Parkinson's disease, and my main character, I uh, made him kind of a jerk. He cheats on his wife, and and his friends are disgusted with him. And when they find out, when he finds out he has Parkinson's and tries to tell them about it, nobody cares. So uh, you see him transform over from the time he finds that out to uh, when he finally passes away. That uh, it, it makes him a totally a different person and more humanistic. So, no, the uh, other book, um, like I said, it came out of wanting to um, be be my legacy for the next generation, and that took me four years to write, whereas the novel took me four months. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Well, awesome. Tell us a little bit about your memoir and those issues and kind of what you had to say to the next generation. It's called Capitalism Killed the Middle Class, 25 Ways the System is Rigged Against You. And uh, what I was trying to show people is that uh, there are all sorts of uh, obstacles in your way and you, you have to realize that they're there and, and find a way around them rather than just hope that... Uh, um, we're going to be a Horatio Alger story and be able to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps because the, the system is rigged and uh, it's not rigged in favor of the middle class. Middle class, uh, that's the only class of, um, of our country that is paying their taxes. And so everything's falling on our backs because the rich don't pay taxes and they, they have found all sorts of ways around it. And of course, the poor don't because they don't have anything to give in that regard. So um, I guess what I tried to do was um, paint a, a dotted line between what happened in the past with Franklin Roosevelt and uh, trying to build a, a labor movement into um, the future. So I was trying to draw this line. And what I was trying to tell readers is that uh, the uh, labor movement could very well be the salvation of the middle class. And uh, I think millennials have taken that to heart because uh, there's a major um, movement going on uh, with um, areas that were never considered uh, uh, capable of being unionized in the past. And, and uh, they're taking it on and they're winning some major um, battles with, uh, with corporations. So I'm really heartened by that. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I love that. Well, tell us a little bit more about your vision for the next generation what you want the middle class to look like, your ideal. Uh, okay, what I did, have you heard of the Powell Memo or the Powell Manifesto? I have not. Louis C. Powell, um, his claim to fame up to this point was uh, he had uh, represented the cigarette companies in, for, in front of the Supreme Court and said that cigarettes were not addicting. But uh, in 1971, a friend of his who was with the U.S. Chamber of Commerce said, um, we need to get back the argument uh, from uh, hip, these hippies and, and these uh, vets coming back uh, that are saying that uh, we're just in this war, Vietnam War in this case, uh, to uh, make money. And so um, they, they asked him to write something up. So he you know, wrote this 19 page memo and in it he describes that uh, what conservative businesses needed to do to win back the argument and they needed, they needed to do things like uh, create think tanks, 
which they did. They needed to uh, talk to uh, uh, students uh, at the in elementary school as well as the ones in college and uh, let them know that uh, capitalism is a great thing and that uh, uh, you can leave things to the corporations and, and they'll take care of us. <laughs> and it was it worked so well. I had a handyman in my house a couple of weeks ago. And the first thing he said was, uh, unions have ruined this country. And I thought, well, I guess what the uh, what businesses wanted to happen and definitely happened because it trickled down to him. Yeah. So uh, those are the kinds of things that we have to, uh, we have to win back the conversation. And uh, what I've done is wrote, I wrote, I took the Powell memo, gutted it, and where it said capitalism, I put in democratic socialism or uh, other kind, uh, other means of um, uh, creating a, a market because uh, our capitalism is very predatory. It, uh, it uh, doesn't help anybody. Co countries like Finland, Sweden, uh, Denmark, those kinds of countries have figured it out and uh, that's why they're thriving. There's a report put out by the UN every year and uh, Norway is always at the top of that. And it's not because, uh, they'll deny that they're a democratic socialist country, but uh, that's the only label that we in this country have been able to put on them because it's not capitalism per se because you're paying taxes uh, from um, birth to death and, and it allows uh, better schools, uh, and better treatment of, of the working class. So, um, and that's where my sequel is going to come into that book. It's called Capitalism uh, Kills the uh, Global Edition, in which I compare various uh, countries and how they treat the middle class and look at that as a correlation between their success as a country and uh, how they treat their, their working class. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. That's very, that's very interesting. And so, I guess my question to you is, are you against capitalism as a whole? Or are you just, you want the middle class to be treated better in capitalism? Well, I've been having that very same argument on Facebook for the last several days uh, because this guy said I, I've created uh, a cartoonish situation where uh, capitalism cannot win. And uh, capitalism has done its, uh, its self some harms. And uh, every once in a while, you'll hear about something like the uh, 2008 uh, housing boom that went bust. Um, that happened in uh, Silicon Valley. That happened to the, the uh, iron uh, workers a couple of generations ago. So these are things that uh, indicate that capitalism, especially the oversight of capitalism, uh, is uh, lacking. And we need to, if we're going to use capitalism, we need to have uh, built in uh, checks and balances that have sort of gone by the wayside. And uh, we need to raise uh, taxes on the rich and, and corporations to uh, help balance that load that's on our backs right now, because uh, that's who's, uh, who's Washington is answering to is, is all these other groups, and it should be us. Yeah, for sure. I get that. I get that. So what really, by the way, that is very controversial. You're going to get some pings <laughs> from, uh, from being on this podcast, but um, that's awesome, man. I'm glad that you stand for what you believe in i respect yeah. thank you we um, used to be used to be that way right the most prosperous uh, part of uh, generation was right after world war ii uh, when uh, everybody practically was union and uh, you, didn't, you didn't have to have both parents working uh, two or three jobs to get by and we need to get back to that 
Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I, yeah, no, I, I can agree with that just because, you know, we grew up very, you know, lower middle class. We kind of struggled financially our whole lives, but there's, Mm -hmm. and there's also that like, well, go be an entrepreneur, start your business and, you know, scale it or whatever. And while that's an option, it's not something for everybody. It's not how people want to live their lives type of thing. So for those majority of people who want to work a job and raise a family and not put in those insane hours to be an entrepreneur, the options have been really cut down for them of like, now you got to pick up a second job or a third job or whatever it may be. So exactly. Yeah. What, what would those checks and balances look like for you in capitalism? Uh, robust oversight, which means that, uh, uh, you don't have corporations watching themselves. You have uh, somebody who's set up to do that. And uh, originally, the uh, uh, Elizabeth Warren was in charge of that department, and it was uh, the consumer consumer protection. And they looked at how banks were doing loans and, and all sorts of things. And, and she really dug into it and and uh, looked at things that that could uh, be changed. But then uh, somebody else got elected. And they brought in their own uh, people who uh, their um, whole mission was to shut it all down, to stop uh, stop that oversight because they called it needless regulation when, when in fact it was uh, saving a lot of people from losing their houses and, and uh, you know, little stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, awesome. What if there were one or two people you could meet right now or one or two types of people that you could meet right now to really help you take the next step towards, you know, just getting the middle class to be treated better and getting those checks and balances in capitalism? Who would you need to meet and how would they help you? I need to meet Liz, Liz Schuler. She is now head of the AFL-CIO. And I think that uh, I created a study guide to go with that book. And I think that uh, if... Uh, People at the ground level, the union stewards of the world that I bring up in the book, um, it would create an army to, to change things. And um, so she's the one I need to really get to, to, to say, let's look at this and let's uh, apply these, um, these uh, things that I've come up with. And also uh, look at the Macquarie Memo, as I call it to uh, see how successful big business was in turning the conversation to them and make it about us because you could use the same approach they did and uh, they wouldn't know what hit them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, Liz would be a big help. Liz Schuler, and you said head of the FSCIO? AFL-CIO, yes. American Federation of Labor, Congress of Industrial Organizations. Gotcha. Sounds good. Well, what are the most important one or two things that everyday people can do to help you accomplish your dreams and goals? Uh, well, if they're union stewards, they could uh, take it to their leadership, a copy of the book, or, or just tell them about it uh, because it's available out there. It's, out, it's all over the world. Um, and I've had people buy it in Australia and Nigeria and all sorts of places that you wouldn't think would be, I would care about what happens to the middle class in America. <laughs> but one of the things I did find out, I carry the book everywhere in case I get engaged in a conversation. And I've had people in Thailand, Morocco, and Italy say, when is that book coming out of my language? 
because the same thing is happening here. So um, it would be nice if we turn uh, not only uh, America around, but but other countries because uh, this we're being exploited and, and um, um, the socialists call it wage slavery, but uh, I know compared to real slavery, it's, it's uh, not, not any, anywhere close, but yet at the same time, uh, wage slavery keeps us at two to three jobs. Um, and um, th there are all sorts of ways that we can uh, change the, the conversation. I'm so glad, like I said, that the millennials are, are have realized it's a no brainer that in order to have a future security, to be able to buy a house, to raise a family, you need to have a stable employment environment. And uh, we've gotten away from that. Uh, uh, we used to be able to work one job for 37 years like I did. And nowadays that doesn't happen. And that's what keeps us uh, constantly looking for the, the next uh, job that's gonna uh, help stabilize things. And, and that's not stabilizing. We, we need to do that ourselves. We, it needs to be a movement from the ground up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So take the book to union leadership and uh, just spread the word, make the movement yeah. happen from the ground up. Yep. Love it, love it. Well, awesome. Now we're going to jump into our thriving three, and this is where I get to hear a little bit about you. So what is your favorite book, movie, or podcast? Pick one. Uh, well, uh, I saw a movie at a screening the other night called uh, Power of the, uh, the Power of the Dog. And it stars Benedict Cumberbatch, and uh, it uh, the whole movie uh, with the soundtrack and everything kind of makes you feel off kilter. And at the end of the movie, you finally figure out why. And it's it's very well done, and I would recommend people uh, go see it. I, apparently, it's already being considered for several awards. Kristen Dunst is in it, Benedict Cumberbatch, and it takes place in 1925, and uh, but it's in uh, Montana, and everybody rides horses and owns a ranch and things like that. But it, it's a, a real um, glimpse into, into uh, the way humans uh, react to things. You'll, you'll understand it when you see it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And what is one way that you like to care for yourself? I love to travel. Travel is, is uh, the best thing. And what I like, number one, about travel is meeting other people and, and finding those uh, common grounds. Uh, and I also go for the history and uh, for my wife, we go to relax. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And what is one action step you can take right now to really meet Liz Schuler? Well, I've sent her a copy of the book already and I included my study guide in there. So uh, at this point, I guess I need to follow it up with a phone call. Awesome. Awesome. Love it. Okay. Now I just have a couple more questions. So I'm sure when you're in these conversations with people, you know, talking about your book and how you feel about how the middle class needs to be cared for, you kind of get some mm -hmm. rebuttals. What are common rebuttals that you get and how do you address them? There are the people that are in deep denial about uh, the, our place in the whole scheme of things. Um, and uh, for them, uh, capitalism could do no wrong. They don't realize that uh, it's a travesty when a company downsizes, lays a bunch of people off, and their stock rises. That, that that's that's not right. There's something about our system that says that's not good. And I also don't realize that every time there's a one of those bubbles I was talking about earlier, like 2000, 2008 uh, housing debacle, 
is that uh, there's a very socialist kind of thing that happens because we go in and bail them out. So um, if if they realize what was going on, uh, I think a lot of people would uh, would agree with me that uh, we need to change the situation. A very big proponent of uh, Bernie's uh, agenda, Bernie Sanders, and and I think uh, that uh, we adopted some of those comments and things that uh, we would uh, all be better off. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Awesome. And have you ever had anybody come to you and be like? But the corporations do so much for us. Like Amazon makes my life so convenient. Walmart makes my life so convenient. What do you say to that? I say, look at the uh, cost of that because uh, like Walmart, I, I have a whole section in my book where I talk about the Walmart effect. Uh, Walmart will go into a small town and they have, they offer everything. So you wipe out the, the, t- the company that sells tires, wipe out the little mom and pop store that uh, provides... Um, um, let's say a pharmacy, they pro- provide your meds. You can get all that much cheaper at Walmart. And so uh, you wipe out all these mom and pop businesses. Those people come to work for Walmart as greeters and things like that. But there aren't enough jobs for everybody like, that lost their job because Walmart came to town. So pretty soon you've got all sorts of people that have to be on welfare. And, uh, and Walmart looks around and says, where did all our customers go? And so they pull up stakes and they go on to the next town and there's not enough money in the uh, city coffers anymore to attract another big box business. So uh, it turns into a ghost town. Mm. Gotcha. Awesome. Thanks for educating me on that. I actually never thought about that. So appreciate it. Okay. And my last question is completely unrelated, but it's a question I like to ask everybody because I'm really searching for the answer. Okay. So you know how there are people in life that really have a like fixed mindset, don't accept help, aren't willing to change and uh-huh. their life will suck. People will offer them a hand up, but nothing ever changes because they're just kind of stuck in their ways. Yep. And there are some people that die like that. And then there are those people who go from that to really having like, you know, growth mindset, willing to change, willing to accept help, willing to like do what needs to be done to change their life. And then there's something that happens in between going from fixed mindset and not willing to change to growth mindset, willing to change. What is the catalyst that makes somebody willing to change, ask for help and receive help to really see their life be transformed in your opinion? In my opinion, it's some kind of epiphany or whether that's uh, uh, suddenly, uh, for instance, uh, this uh, lawyer I know read my book and she said, I was a lot more conservative before I read your book. So, uh, I was I was thrilled to hear that because that's the kind of person you want to wake up. <laughs> and yeah. um, I, I think that's what, what needs to happen. They need to have a personal epiphany. It's like people that are alcoholics. They don't realize they're destroying their own lives and all those around them until they hit rock bottom. And then with hopefully they, they turn that around. There are those who are become casualties of the whole system and end up uh, dying, w- wondering what the hell happened. And there are other people who uh, say, ah, I, I need to change this and that. And uh, they get control of their lives and, and then they can start thinking about their dreams. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And so I noticed you said hitting rock bottom. What do you say about those people who hit rock bottom but never have that epiphany down there? Why do you think that happens? I don't know. I, I really like uh, uh, a, a quote by Jesse Jackson, uh, Reverend Jesse Jackson. He said, 
never look at, uh, the only time you should be looking down at a man is when you're helping him up. I love that. I live my life that way. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Helping them up. And you said that was Reverend Jesse Jackson? Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, cool. So I love that it's some kind of epiphany. And would you say that epiphany typically happens at rock bottom or doesn't always have to? It doesn't always have to. I mean, sometimes people get religion and that does it for them. Other people uh, have so, uh, someone who uh, treats them with tough love and uh, other times uh, you just write them off. Yeah. And, and that's uh, For sure. Well, awesome. I guess my last follow-up question is, how do you create <laughs> an environment that leads to those epiphanies? That's a good question. I, I, I wish I had an answer for that one. <laughs> uh, some people use uh, religion other people um, I don't know uh, they, they uh, get out there and uh, they're like gurus uh, um, one of my favorites is a guy named Noam Chomsky and he, uh, I call my book Chomsky Light because he draws lines between things that you wouldn't necessarily uh, feel that they're, they're uh, related but he shows the relation to them and that brings a lot of people to the final argument that he's trying to make is that uh, you're, this is rigged and, and you're not going to get anywhere unless you uh, uh, first acknowledge that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, awesome. Is there anything else you want to chat about before we sign off, Dan? Uh, no. My, uh, well, other than my novel comes out uh, at the end of this week. It's called uh, You Will Forever Be My Always. And it's... Um, going to be at your local bookstore uh, even if it ordered online but uh, it has some epiphanies of, uh, of mine been there that uh, I think some people will uh, laugh or uh, actually acknowledge as being somewhat uh, a good idea awesome sounds good sounds good and do you want people to contact you if so what's the best way um hmm, that's a good question uh, they can contact me through my uh, web, uh, not website, um, my email. It's called writingbiz at yahoo.com. W-R-I-T-I-N-G-B-I-Z at Yahoo. Sounds good. Sounds good. Yahoo.com. All righty, Dan. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Douglas. Uh, it was a, a treat. Absolutely. And if you guys are listening to this and you loved what Dan had to say, you loved his passion for the middle class and you want to check that out, make sure to buy his book, spread the message and make sure the movement starts from the ground up. Also, feel free to contact Dan and engage in discussion if you're still questioning some of his stuff, because I'm sure he would love to give you some answers and bring you to the other side. Thank you guys so much for watching. Dan, thank you for coming on the show. As we always ask, send this to one to two people you know need to hear this message. Shoot us a five-star review on iTunes and we're out. Guys, thanks for listening. Make sure to reach out to our guests and help them accomplish their dreams and goals if you resonated with them. If you're looking for any intentional masterminds or one-on-one -on -one coaching to accomplish your dreams and goals, make sure to check out the website, workwithtimmydouglas.com and contact me either there or on social media. That's all I got. Have a blessed day.